This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, December 2nd, 2021, and I'm here in Hawaii at the Qualcomm Snapdragon Summit with Mike Roberts of Qualcomm on my left, and on my right, I've got Anshel Sag of More Insights and Strategy. Super happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. And in the middle, I have a coffee. (laughs) So... A lot was announced this week, right? Like this has been a pretty awesome show. So Mike, do you want to walk us through what was announced and how significant it is? Obviously very significant, but my point is what difference is this going to make for people buying phones next year? Yes. And laptops and maybe gaming devices. Absolutely. By the way, everyone runs on coffee at Tech Summit. So uh, this will not be the last cup of coffee for sure. (laughs) Exactly. So this is actually our sixth Tech Summit that we've done. Uh, when we officially made it a Snapdragon Tech Summit. So we've been doing this for a number of years. And we've picked this timing, which we think is really important. This timing for this this summit is very purposeful in that we want to set the pace for what's going to be happening next year. So what you see now and us announcing, that's what you're going to find in your Android premium devices in uh, 2022. Okay. So as we announced two days ago... 8 Gen 1, super excited about this. Me too. Uh, the name change has been an interesting one. Yeah, so uh, let's do a tangent onto that. I, okay. I'm kind of curious, like obviously the 8 has been a pretty significant number, right? Yes. And so keeping the 8 made perfect sense. But when we, you go to just a single digit and adding that Gen to it, yes. for everything. This has actually been a little bit of inside baseball, a long journey for us inside Qualcomm to move to this nomenclature. But really, when you think about it, we started back on 8CX, right? right, Which was a few years ago. And even on our XR devices, we've used this nomenclature. So even though it seems uh, maybe abrupt or, wow, I didn't expect that, we've actually used it on a lot of our other segments. And what we found through our market research was that what really people looked for was Snapdragon and then the tier of the product. Right. That was, after that, they kind of lost it. Is this a 650 or a 667 or whatever? And I think you also had the issue, and, and Angel, you can probably second this, is that in the, especially in the 600 series, you had some chips with higher numbers that were so old that the performance was really not in line with the numbering, right? Hey. And, and if you didn't keep track of that like we do, like all of us, it, it became very difficult for the consumer, right? Correct. So our, our the job in marketing is always to simplify, simplify, simplify. And that's what we're trying to do is... You need to look for Snapdragon, you need to look for 8. So this is our first one, Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Next year, I'm sure people will be able to guess pretty good what our theme of our product will be. <laughs> so, so for... Gen 4. Right, exactly. <laughs> so for our first tier, Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, very excited about launching it when we are. And we're, we're actually going to start seeing commercial devices here by the end of the year. Before the end of the year, you Before think? Before the end of the year. Wow. So that's pretty exciting for us because typically it's it's more the beginning of the following year. I know, but it's been like that. I think we've started seeing that. I think, was it the Mi 11 last year that was now just before the end of the just year, before, right? Yeah. Yes. In China, I think. And in, then it came the global version after. Correct. Yes. China, uh, in 
general, they want to launch as fast as possible after we announce it. And they're it. not encumbered with the holidays. Correct. <coughs> well, they own. are actually. They, I mean, Chinese New Year. Year. Chinese yeah. New but that's later. You know what I'm saying? Well, Correct. I mean, it gives them enough time to like get Fill the market channel. out there. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's why they're not afraid to launch something on December 27th. For us, it seems odd. But yeah, yes, but for, for them, them, it's, it's like, fine. that's absolutely 100%. So if you looked, once we announced, you saw all these different OEMs kind of announced, right? Um, yeah. they, they couldn't get to their Twitter feeds fast well, enough. We're going to touch on that with Ansha later. We, okay. have, we have a bunch of, we made a list. I made a list of what, uh, what to expect from whom. Yes. So yeah, it's going to be fun. I think what you can expect next year, so for all the listeners, camera is going to continue to blow people's mind. For all of us, this me included, I know Anshul uh, is a adv- or uh, has much of this too. These expensive DLSRs that we have with phenomenal <laughs> lenses and optics, of course, physics still works with these great lenses. But wow, just more and more reason of all I need is what's in my pocket. We have this 140 degree wide angle, and. It really is stunning in terms of seeing that and seeing what that can deliver. I have in my DLSR really nice uh, lens. It has this curvature, very expensive, and I'm thinking it, it can't even do that kind of field of view right. that, that I can on my camera For now. For sure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think camera experiences are going to continue to up-level. I think we're going to see continued gaming come on the device, and for those in the U.S., Mobile gaming is definitely taking off more and more, but I think you need to go over an ocean to really see that it's becoming more of the primary form of gaming. Yeah, yeah. So the importance of that uh, for us is it's really turning everything on the phone up to 10, right? Yeah. Your CPU, your GPU, your AI, all the things that we put into it. Uh, and, and then, you know, a lot of people are streaming right from the device as well. So all it's kind of the macro case of everything, the superset. So what got me interested, and you know, we're not going to get into the details here, but uh, somebody who loves photography, there's a few things that stu- stuck out for me. Of course, the combining two lenses to create a 140-degree ultra-wide view, yes, a panoramic view, without having to pan and scan like we've been doing forever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting, and I'm really hoping we actually see this on devices where they combine the main with the ultra-wide or two ultra-wides that like are there just for that, right? Correct. Because I think at this point... You know, it's obviously the only way you're going to be able to achieve that. You, either you add an extra lens or you just somehow use, you know, existing lenses somehow. And it'll be interesting to see how we can make that work with color science and whatever to match. But you, what you guys did was look, and the demo is very compelling. So the other thing that's got me excited is that you're doing AI now for everything. White balance, yes. uh, exposure, and autofocus. So it's no, you're not longer just using... Essentially, you know, feedback loop, you know, closed loop feedback for the AF. You're looking, you're actually analyzing the image in real time to 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 make that feedback loop happen, which is really incredible to me. Yeah, the the AI performance on the three A's, as we like to call them, it's it's the reason that the best camera you have is the one in your pocket. I mean, the DLSRs right. just don't don't have that yet. Yeah, I keep telling them they should. <laughs> right, right? What about you, Angela? Maybe How eventually, because I know you're a big camera guy like me. Yeah, I mean. The way I look at it is I have carried my camera gear less and less with every generation of flagship phones. And um, unless I really think I'm going to go out and take some crazy good shots, I pretty much am satisfied with my S21 Ultra. Yeah. Yeah. 
which we're using to record this podcast. That's great. Ad for Samsung. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, no, but seriously, I agree. I think for me, what stands out here is also the fact that you have triple ISPs again, but it's 18-bit throughout the entire pipeline, yes. which is unheard of again in even in regular photography, like in DSLRs, right? So, yeah, I, the ability wow. to do 8K HDR and then take a 64 megapixel camera still on top of it is just it's crazy. I mean. You couldn't buy a camcorder, if I can use that term, if that's still love, used today. I love that term. Right? Kids right now are going, well, what is a camcorder? GoPro, I don't know. Uh, uh, but you can't find one that does 8K, nonetheless 8K HDR, right? And the ability to take that, because I do that all the time. I'm recording, but I do want to take a good picture as well. And, you know, on some of prior generations, it's not as sharp as you want it to be. And to be able to take 64 megapixel camera is uh is pretty incredible yeah and you also we also ran into problems with frame rate like i mean you sometimes get a glitch in that spot right yes. on the video and i mean it's just the, it wasn't like somebody was screwing it up it's just like the nature of the beast right you just didn't have the like, compute power to do it Absolutely. so they give you the feature but you didn't always want to use it because you don't want to compromise the video and if you're just doing tourist stuff it's no big deal but for us who do professional work on our phones all the time yes it's, it becomes a real problem if you drop a frame or two right yeah definitely so what else uh, stood out for me was I think that we're seeing more AI and ML optimized cores. And I think that for those of you who are going to be looking at the benchmarks of these products in the future as they come out, I think keep in the mind, mind in the back of your mind that AR, AI and ML are going to be the thing that we want to focus on in terms of performance. And I think you guys are going to deliver on this on this one. It's an area that we're really leaning into of on-device AI. I think that's our area to really own, mm -hmm. and it's an area that we have influence in. And the amount of AI that is incorporated in everything, not just to your point, not just imaging, which is kind of naturally what we think about, but even in 5G and the connectivity, where all of those AI machine learning is going into having to make sure you have a better connection, right? right? So to your point, Crossed every single chain, every single experience. That's why AI is becoming more and more important. And you have to do it at low power. Yeah. Right. That's where the on device part really comes of having these optimized ML and supporting all the frameworks that you need to. You know, if you if you have AI in the data center, yeah, you can do pretty good by just being supported by the end company, right? right? And and putting your stuff on there. Different on device, so many different frameworks, so many different neural nets, so much optimization needs to happen. I mean, you can't always get online to get your cloud-based AI. Sometimes yes. you need it to be on the edge and it needs to be instant and there. And so to me, that's, I think, both are very critical. And of course, you're pretty doing pretty good with 5G on that front too. So, right? so that, I think, is, is nice that you have the whole package. Um, before we switch to the next chip, because I don't want to run out of time yes. and waste your time, um, what else really stands out on the 8 Gen 1? Hmm. I think uh, the overall performance of the platform that we have and the software optimizations that we've had with, with a lot of different ISVs. You know, we had Android, we had Hiroshi come on, uh, yeah, which was, was fantastic. You guys had like a rock star studded team of uh, guests on this entire Absolutely. thing. It was amazing. So I think that the partnership between us and Android is super tight. We're defining what the flagship device is in the future. And so I, I, 
I can't wait to see what the OEMs are going to take all this. You know, we have we we develop the superset right. right of everything. You build the infrastructure. That's right, and then the OEMs figure out where do I want to lean this device into. It does it need to be more of an imaging device? Do I want it more of a gaming device? Whatever it may be. Yeah. And so for me, the exciting you know the the frame you know if you're a gaming device, you want to have super high frame rates on your on your display. So all of that to me, that's the exciting piece of we've we've in many ways. Here's the arms dealer, and now you can go make your nukes with it, right? And figure oh. out how you want to uh, do battle with your own devices. That's a good analogy. <laughs> Angel, anything else stuck out for you on 8 Gen 1? Um, I think for me, there was the ISP was really like the 18 bit support. Yeah. That's a big deal. I think it's going to enable a lot more high quality imaging applications. There was a little bit of um, people talking about the um, the ISP inside of the sensor hub mm. and yeah. people people misunderstanding what that does. Yeah, that's going to need a lot more explaining. I think maybe the way I would explain to people is don't think of it as a camera. Think of it as yet another sensor in the sensor hub. So the output of that sensor is not an image. It's a set of data that says, I see a face. I see three faces. And so if you see one face and your phone's unlocked, that's okay, because you see one face, that's you looking at the phone. I now see two faces. Uh, maybe I should lock the phone. So I think it's not so much the data being sent to the phone to process. It's more like the phone's getting data from the sensor hub that says, hey, two faces, yes. right? Like it's basically that, and it's a stream. They can't store the data, so they can't store the, the photo, the image of the camera. In the same way as the sensor's hub tells you, you just move the phone 12 degrees in the X direction, right? With the accelerometer. Or the light just changed from, you know, 12 lux Correct. or whatever, right? The ambient light. So think of it that way, and I think it becomes a lot less scary because then it's just streaming images from the sensor, but that those images aren't stored anywhere. There's no room to put them anywhere. So Well said. Boom, well said. I fixed you, it for you. Nailed, you. Yes, you, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about 8CX Gen 3. Great. So this is exciting to me because here's the naming convention. You've already been using it with 8CX, yes, right? Yes, yes. And super well, too, because it made sense. I think it's nice because we didn't set our expectations too high. We're like, oh, well, it's an improvement of a Gen 2. Right. It's a Gen 3. But then you need to look at what you're delivering. It's actually pretty impressive. Yes. And I think in you know when you name stuff like this, not every generation is going to have the equivalent, right? So from Gen 1 to Gen 2, it was a more modest increase. Yeah. Gen 2 to Gen 3 is significant, right? You're yeah. Brand new chip, new process node, first 5 nanometer in Windows PC. Um, this is something we've been working on, you know, for three, four years, right? This is one of those big bottoms up that we've built. Yeah. I'm really hoping for me, I mean, obviously, we could go into great detail all the things that have improved. Uh, a lot of it is, again, similar to on 8 Gen 1, in the sense you got better 5G, better AI and machine learning, yes. more, tons more ISP stuff because people are using their laptops. This is, by the way, a laptop chip, if you're not following, <laughs> uh, tablet laptop chip, and so Windows on ARM chip and Chromebook chip. And so as such, you're going to need more and more, you know, we're all doing video calls and Zoom calls and stuff. So better ISPs was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And, that, you know, that was easy because you're already doing it anyway. So Absolutely. Um, and then overall, better performance because, I've you know, I hate to say this, but Apple's done a very good job at showing what the world, what ARM can do. Well, it, it does show it is an inevitable move to ARM right. or PC. I feel the same way. But it is a journey. Uh, this stuff is always a journey, especially mm -hmm. when you've had 
an ecosystem that's been around for so long, of course, it's going to take time for the applications uh, to follow. The, the reason, and you've heard Cristiano say this, it's different this time, mm-hmm. is one, we've been doing this for a few years, and what a lot of the people don't see is the hard work that's being done in the background with all the application developers and all the ISVs. Yeah. And Microsoft now with Windows 11 supporting X64 uh, emulation strong and yeah. natively, <laughs> and more applications coming natively. So I think all this starts uh, aligning uh, in this time frame where it becomes a much more uh, compelling experience for all the, you know, really when you look down, when you look at it, maybe your listeners here are in the upper echelon, but what do most people do? It's like, okay, well, I do email and browsing and, yeah. uh, you know, I do productivity and I do some maybe light gaming and all of this kind of stuff. We did talk about gaming this time. Yeah, we're, we did. Where in prior times we, we've we've not been talking about that as much. So, you know, our this GPU is a brand new GPU in it. So we're very proud of it. And the amount of AI that we're doing and working with Microsoft on is just, you guys just saw the tip of the iceberg uh, this time with that noise. You guys see that noise suppression demo? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always been, and you know, I don't know how you feel about this, Angela. You've been to Computex with me many times, and we've seen this. I, I remember when you demoed 835 as a compute platform. Yes. This is how long. Yes. So I'm on board. I've always been on board. This MacBook Air that's recording is an M1 MacBook Air. I've been waiting forever for an ARM-based Mac. The point for me is that you've, you know, I've, I've been a little kind of hesitant because Microsoft hasn't really been pushing enough in the, in the in the direction. I think you guys have created the infrastructure, but the roads are not quite getting built. Correct. Although it's starting now, right? But I think that that's the big thing. And I, Chrome OS, I think, is a good candidate here, personally, because I'm a big fan of it. But I feel like when if, if Microsoft can finally like understand that this is the way they need to be, you know, as serious with that as they are with Intel stuff, yeah. I think then then we're going to be okay because you guys are going to continue developing more and more infrastructure, right? Like, it's Absolutely. Not, I mean, do you feel that's that way too? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing to consider is that Windows 11 is a big departure and I feel like it may have come out a little too soon, um, but it also couldn't have come soon enough. In some so, ways, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it's one of those things where um, I've, I, I'm on the, I agree with you that like Microsoft simply needs to take it more seriously because they, they've been kind of hesitant in the past and because of their hesitation, you know, the rest of the market wasn't really going after the ARM opportunity as because they didn't think that Microsoft was going to really take Yeah, it and seriously. then the OEMs are taking this wait and see position as well, right? So it's a challenge. But I think that you, if you continue delivering the, the, the infrastructure, as I said, they will eventually come. You know, you're building the baseball field right now. Yeah, and I know, so. I know everyone likes to compare to Apple. And we've said when they came out with M1, this validates our strategy. Right, it validates our strategy to move uh, PC yeah. to ARM, and so I, I think honestly it, it's good for the entire ecosystem. The user experiences are going to be significantly better. So we're super excited to have HCX Gen three come out yep. at the beginning of next year. And they don't have five G on their MacBook Airs. No, yet. although you could provide that. We could, like you do with their iPhones. We could. But we're ready to answer the call. Yeah, there you go, folks. <laughs> uh, so the third thing that kind of I felt came out of nowhere and got me really mm. excited because I used to work in video games years ago, making games as a developer, was the G3X yes. Gen 1 chipset or SOC. And maybe you can elaborate, like, where did that start mm. in terms of architecture? Like, it's, 
I haven't dug deep enough mm-hmm. into the, the nitty-gritty technical detail, but maybe for the audience, let us know. Is this an offshoot of 888? Is this an offshoot of 8 Gen 1? Yeah. Or, or is it completely bespoke? Yeah, I, I think that everything at Qualcomm is a journey, right? We always think long-term. And so even many years ago, especially in Asia and in China, you'd see even with our mobile chips, people were making gaming handheld devices. Right. Right. And what we saw was a want a market for it, but also in talking to our OEMs, a reference design need for it. Right. Because it's just not about taking mobile and putting it into a different form factor. There's a lot of other things that go into that in terms of I.O., in terms of uh, audio capabilities, in terms of active cooling, as we showed. Haptics. Haptics, right? It's a right. different form factor. It's a different user experience. Different refresh rates are going to be required, different power. You have obviously a nice size battery in those type of devices, but weight still has to be a factor. So we took all these things in looking at the end device and the end user experience and said, we'd like to build a reference design. And we did that for XR. I mean, you know, Angel, uh, yeah. right? I was just going to say, could this chip be used for XR as well? Um, or are you going to keep that separate? I think we'll keep it separate. Okay. I think the reference designs are, are purpose-built for that vertical. Right. I mean, XR is very different in terms of what those end uh, devices need. The power requirements, obviously, you can't throw a, you know, a massive battery in an XR headset. It's, it's different. So for this, we really looked and said, uh, how can we take um, our core one roadmap, which we've been talking about a lot over the last few weeks. We have this one roadmap underneath, right, of CPU and GPU and AI and our ISP technology, et cetera. And how can we do that and build a purpose-built device? And doing that with Razer was really a fantastic, right. perfect, like perfect, perfect part. match. Perfect part. Right? right? And I think there's probably... Do you guys get a feeling there's concern over the ecosystem around that with Android gaming and with streaming and where things are going? I think this is an initial question. So I have an answer for that, but I'm curious what you guys think. So I think that Android has Android gaming has always been, you know, uh, it's been the biggest growth opportunity for developers in the last five to ten years, right? Bigger than console, bigger than PC. But it's always had this reputation of being something that is casual and something that isn't really that high fidelity. And over the last five years, it's become much higher fidelity, much less casual, much more competitive. Mm-hmm. And people start taking it more seriously. To to your point, and you know, in Asia specifically, like in China, you know, you have esports, mobile, mobile going on crazy you have people you know multiple chinese oems building smartphones specifically for gaming exactly as well as all the attachments and it's gotten to the point where um you know i'm seeing you know tier one game developers in the u.s launching mobile titles and being successful like call Mm -hmm. of duty yeah and like the new rocket league that just came out this week so i think that there's a clear appetite for high fidelity competitive mobile gaming because ultimately, if you don't have the Android game on your device, there's now a filler where you have cloud gaming like Xbox Cloud Gaming where you can pull in you know, AAA yes. console titles and be able to play them. And I did get a chance to play them on, on the um, G3X device. And it, it's just a great experience. And ultimately, it just needs to feel the same as if you were at home playing on your console it doesn't right. and, and because you can choose and pick and you don't feel isolated by just the android ecosystem i feel like it has way more legs yes 
I'm I'm curious because we have to wrap up with yes. you because your time is valuable. But I'm curious, where do you see like you said this is a development platform right now? Yes. Do you see this chip actually ending up in some sort of handheld gaming yes. devices going forward from manufacturers beyond Razer's developer system? Right? And yes. do you even see it maybe on specialty gaming phones? Like imagine a phone like the new yep. the what is it, the the Red Magic, the Red Magic Six S Pro. Yeah. Right. Imagine a phone like that, but with that chipset, with better optics, a little bigger, a bit heavier, but yep. people can do both things. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's for for the oh, to your point. Yes, the partnership with Razer made a lot of sense for the side of the gate, but the point of reference design is for the entire horizontal ecosystem. Okay. Right. So whoever wants to take it, we are happy to support them to uh, to incorporate in their device. And you, to your point, you may start seeing devices that are more. Gaming handheld first, but phone second. Right, exactly. Right. Whereas today it's more phone first, maybe a right. Correct. So I, I think there's an opportunity for that. that as well. So like essentially the Nintendo Wii, but with a different platform uh, in terms of hardware and software. Yeah. Um, but in different form factor from different OEMs. But, I, I mean, think. this is the fun part <laughs> for us of seeing what people innovate with. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're not putting a box around it. I go think, ahead, Andrew. I, 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 I was going to say, I think Micah said it does not actually make phone calls, but theoretically you could use Over Discord. It would, be, right. it would have to yeah. be some kind of IP call yeah. thing. Whatever. But, I mean, gamers mostly it talk has to their 5G, friends. so whatever. Well, yeah. what I was going to say is most gamers talk to their friends over Discord anyway. Yes, exactly. correct. So. Well, I, I can't. Who uses voice phone calls? I, know, I can't wait to see what happens with that. Um, <laughs> right? My only last question is why wasn't that called 8 something? Oh, yes. So we use eight very selectively. And so we use uh, eight obviously on mobile. And then we used eight on uh, compute to begin with because we had 835, 845, right, right. and then we moved up to HCX, yes. right? This was similar to XR in that XR, we have XR1 oh, and yes. XR2. Got it. If eventually we have an XR3, there'll be an XR3, right? So same thing. It's the same tiering Got idea it. of G3 is our top tier for the gaming. And then the X nomenclature is actually the top variant of that tier. So this is the top of the top yeah. is we're launching first. So it's kind of like HCX. We launched that first. That was the top of compute. Same type of thing. G3X top of All right. gaming. I, you heard it here first, folks. Sure we finally got an answer to the mystery that was G3X Gen 1. Well, thanks, Mike. Oh, my gosh. This was so fun. Fantastic. I'm so honored to be part of this Absolutely. podcast. Absolutely. Anytime I'll have you on again. Awesome. Time. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate being on it. Thanks for being on the show. So, Angel, what do you think of all this? I mean, we were nice. Now let's be mean. No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't have any reasons to be mean. Like, I think I like what I've seen here. Like, I, why would I not be happy with this? Right? Yeah. I, I think overall, it's a pretty solid lineup. Um, I think... The 8CX Gen 3 is, I think they really juiced the AI performance on that. And I think um, they're holding back with Microsoft on something. Because they said they were going to announce something at Build. Uh, and I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of AI performance use coming from Microsoft. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing on the PC side. Because I feel like the PC has really been neglected on AI. For com sure. Compared to the smartphone. Yeah. Um, and as we get more smartphoneification of the PC, um, I think we're going to see more AI use like we do already yeah, in the phone. For sure. Um, and on the G3X, you know, I, I'm very excited about it. Um, there's so much potential there. And so many people are so excited about it um, because the handheld platform has had many chances. 
And every time, you know, there's been something that was missing. Yeah. And I feel like when you look at the G3X as a platform, having, you know, top tier Wi-Fi 6, you know, 5G capabilities, great GPU, good battery, good thermals. Like it's 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 the perfect gaming device. Yeah. And it's going to be good for both cloud gaming and for home streaming as well as local gaming. So you can game however you like. And I think that's really the big deal. Yeah, and I feel like to me, if I had to pick one thing that was really exciting about this entire summit, I think that's it. Even though I'm not, you know, even though I worked in video games, I'm not a hardcore gamer, but I do appreciate what they're trying to do. And I think it's going to open a whole bunch of doors for, in a, you know, for a lot of people and in a segment that is growing so rapidly where I think this is needed, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at the Switch, right, they sold, I don't know, 60 million now. I think they're somewhere around lot. 60. And... That's the only device in that in that category. Yeah. So nobody really knows how big the category will be because there's only been one device. Right. And you know, if you just looked at the iPhone and and that was the only device that was on the smartphone, then you wouldn't know how much bigger you know the smart smartphone industry could be. Yeah. Unless you had more competition. So I think you know having the Steam Deck is going to be a good thing for handheld gaming, and having the G3X will will. I think the way that G3X is positioned is uniquely different from all the other handhelds. So yeah, I'm I've heard rumors and again Mike didn't want to say but that it's based on an 888. Yeah, Plus. I've heard those rumors as well. And I mean, it would make sense. Um but yeah, it it seems like I've seen the performance of an 888+ with cooling on the Red Magic 6S Pro. It's great. And it's great cuz it it maintains that consistent performance. And I'm sure you know they're they're they have much better cooling. Oh yeah, G3X, so. of course, of course. And, and ultimately, I think the big deal here is sustained performance and long gaming sessions. Yeah, so and you know you can you put want. a slightly bigger battery if it's got grips, right? Like the thing, the device. Some people want, are not going to want devices with a grip, though, and I think that's why I was curious if we would see maybe phones with that chipset. But apparently, without cellular, I mean, it's not a big deal breaker for a lot of people. But I think. It still requires that you to carry a real phone separately, which is a bit weird, but I'm surprised they didn't just put cellular connectivity in there. I mean, like they, it's a voice Yeah, it's data only. Yeah. Well, well, I think ultimately it's a, you know, it's, it's going to do most things for most people, but not everything for all people. No, no. And I think we're going to continue to see gaming phones based on the 8 Gen 1, right? Like we've totally. seen all this time. And will it be interesting to compare the performance, actually, especially on a cooled, air-cooled 8 Gen 1, like a, a Red Magic, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so so I, it's an interesting world we live in. And, I mean, to me, the second thing that's going to be exciting, of course, is the 8 Gen 1 because, well, you know, phones. And I, I am, am very impressed with what I've seen in terms of AI performance. I can't say more than that, but I can say that, wow. Yes, we can say that we did some benchmarking. We did, but I can't say the results. No, we can't. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's the biggest thing I think we're going to take away from performance to me is AI and ML performance. And it doesn't seem like a big deal until you realize what most games are doing these days, what most photography is doing these days, what most, you know, like that thing with the Pixel 6 when you talk to your phone and it nowadays it auto-punctuates and it figures out like what you like your intonation and stuff that is all ai ml based and it is it makes the user experience delightful like it just improves your you know the way you use your phone 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at how much Google has prioritized AI performance, right? Like they are going both legs head first, you know, they they are all about AI performance and ensuring that they have the best AI performance on their devices. But we'll see if what Google can do with the next generation of the Tensor uh, compared to what, you know, uh, Qualcomm is doing. hundred percent. So, you know, that's basically the recap for the summit. I feel like we've, we've gone over uh, all the important things. You've heard Mike from Mike. You've kind of heard our commentary. What about demos? What was the coolest demo you saw? You know, I was a little bummed with the demos somehow. Like, I felt like a lot of the audio demos were repeats of what I saw in New York City for the Snapdragon sound announcement. What and, about the noise-canceling stuff? I mean, that's really great. But, I, you know, I expect, like, as soon as you start putting, like, neural networks in there, you're going to get that kind of performance. I mean, it's nice to see it in action, especially on a laptop, right? Like, on a phone, we've already seen that somewhat. But on laptops, that's the big, you know, Achilles heel right now. You're on a Zoom call and, you know, Absolutely. fire truck goes or by. An and, or in an airport, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the demos around sound, and I think were really impressive, around canceling sounds beyond the usual fan continuous type stuff, like... Dogs barking and howling of sirens and stuff like that. It was pretty impressive. And I think you mentioned earlier the, the 140-degree panoramic one. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And, you know, bokeh video, which Apple already does. I didn't feel it was much better or any different. I mean, I yeah, think that still a needs a lot of, of love. Yeah, I think, I think eventually, again, more machine learning thrown at this, and we're going to get to a point where, yeah, it's going to actually deliver. Like, when it knows which you know, person to pick and does it well, yeah. which Apple also still needs to work on. But Qualcomm also in their demo was kind of meh. Well, the thing that got me excited, I think if there's one demo I got me excited about other than the 140 degree, you know, automatic panning thing. Well, that's not an automatic panning. It's a, it's a, li- it's a live, live panorama, yeah, basically. Was the three cameras not just previewing and you pick one, but actually recording simultaneously. So imagine your Pixel 6 Pro here, I hit a button and I'm recording from the telephoto, the ultra wide and the main. At the same time, I get three videos in my feed or a combined single video with them like switching. You know, switching. It's it's kind of cool. We've seen that before, but you can you have to pick two or something, right? right? Like There's this is all three compromise, and it's all three at like what four K or something ridiculous. Yeah, right. and I, I think um, the one demo that got me the most interested was the uh, the modem one, partially. Oh because, yeah, the because it got your phone because it partially owned me. Do you want to explain? <laughs> yeah, so the the modem demo was a. Um, a demo where Qualcomm was showing off its algorithm that's embedded into the modem that allows the modem to prevent a attack from a Stingray-like device right. where it fakes that it's a cell tower then kicks you down to, say, 2G from 4G or all the way from 5G to 4G to 2G and sends a text message that appears to be legit. a legit one from your bank or from whatever and gets you to click on a link, which then, you know, basically o- owns your device. Yeah. No, that's cool. And it's funny that they had it set up so that it would only capture their demo devices and it captured yours. Yeah, I had bad cell signal in that room, but uh, it was kind of funny that it happened. I'm not going to lie. There you go. So that's another thing that's built in, which is nice for the 8th Gen 1. You are less likely to be 
hacked that way, <laughs> which is good because obviously that's becoming more and more of a problem. Apparently, yeah. I wasn't aware how big of an issue it was. But uh, okay, let's talk about the. We've kind of talked about how we like and what we didn't like in terms of you know. I shouldn't say that. We we talked about what what our order of like you know. For me, it's definitely G three X. Gen 1 first and then 8 Gen 1 and then the HCX Gen 3 is is really exciting but I feel like until the OEMs and Microsoft really get their you know things together to make it work it's just not going to be there not in the way my MacBook is right now super tightly integrated with all that AI stuff and you know hardware software all happy together right and that's the nature of vertical versus you know horizontal and as I said I think we can't be mad at Qualcomm for this. They're providing infrastructure. I, right. I think we can be mad at Microsoft to some extent. I hate to say it. And the OEMs, you know, like it's the other thing is 5G on laptops, as you know, is a deal breaker. But we were talking about this. Were you there? Where they really need to provide three months free, kind of like you do on yeah. a Tesla, right? Absolutely. Like you buy a car. Well, Tesla's a year free. Well, it's gone to three months. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was here. It was when I got my original Model 3, it was forever free. Right. And then it went to a year free, and now it's three months free. But the bottom line is, it's only $9.99 a month for yes. all you can eat data after that. And now, you know, the, that we pick them Tesla here because they're the only ones who have like Netflix and video kind of streaming in the car that you can use while you're charging. Like if you have like a Mercedes EQS or, you know, any other kind of uh, electric car, it has LTE connectivity, but it doesn't use it for that kind of level of data. So if you pay $9 a month for it, it's just for basic stuff, right? right. Like, like maybe you maybe you nav or maybe, maybe at most you're doing Spotify, right? Yeah. And that's considering... Compared to like Netflix, that's nothing. So I think Tesla is a good example of a company that only charges you 10 bucks a month for a lot of data you're gonna use. And I wanna see this with those laptops. I wanna see like you buy this 8CX Gen 3 laptop from Asus and you get three months free on, you you know, whatever carrier deal they have, right? I, I, yeah, I was gonna say, I would hope that the carriers would want to fight for that three month deal. Correct. Because then when that three months is over, the customer's happy with their experience, they're going to immediately renew for whatever term that they want. Or to, to some other person's point, what we were discussing yesterday, you could do it by, you know, by data amount. Yeah. Or you could do it by, by month or day. Or you could just attach it to your monthly plan. Yeah, and that would be actually what I would like to see is what even even maybe some OEMs getting into it, like Tesla. You don't pay AT&T, even though that's what they use. You right. pay Tesla. And so make it so that I pay HP or Asus or Dell. And, and then when it's over, they give me a choice. They continue paying Dell. This is your monthly fee. And then, you know, here are the other ones. And hopefully they can fight with each other at that point, right? And then if it also makes sense if you already have a plan with someone, you can tack on, right? Like T-Mobile is only, what, $5 a month or something like that to tack on a data line. It's really cheap. It depends on the plan. Right, but, yeah. but it's really cheap, right? Yeah. So maybe you want to go with that instead. Like I, I think this would incentivize people to get them going on these, on 5G connected PCs in general, but specifically the, you know, the ECPC, the, the Windows-based ARM, uh, based, you know, machines we're talking about for that chipset. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. So we have a list of phones 
that are supposedly we do gonna have. And I tried not to blurt it out when when he mentioned Xiaomi because I have a feeling that they'll probably be the ones who announce first. Yeah. So here here is what TechRadar wrote. It's one of the many people, but I want to give James a nod, James Peckham at TechRadar, who. I work with indirectly because, you know, I write car stuff for them. So here they are, Xiaomi 12, because it's not me anymore, right? They don't say Xiaomi Mi number, it's Xiaomi number. They drop the Mi now, starting with the Xiaomi 11T, which wasn't the Mi 11T. Anyways, complicated. Then we've got OnePlus 10. Or simpler. Simpler. <laughs> I find it, it sounds weird to me. Uh, OnePlus 10, Oppo Find X4. Realme GT2 Pro, and then we've got the Moto Edge, whatever the new version. Again, don't get too excited if you're in the US because the Edge in the US is always watered down because of Verizon and Moto being stepped all over by Verizon for some reason. But so, which one do you think is going to happen first? I'm Xiaomi. calling Xiaomi. Xiaomi. Yeah. Xiaomi, for sure. Because Xiaomi and, is always first. And also, they have a really good relationship with Qualcomm. But they're right? always first. But that the only way you get first is by having yeah. very early SOC Do you remember access. when the, the Snapdragon 780 5G 5 nanometer chip came out? Before the 778 5G 6 nanometer chip. Mm -hmm. And only one device in the entire world had it. It was the Mi 11 Lite. And it's essentially a bespoke chip for Xiaomi that's a little bit more expensive to make because it's 5 nanometer and a little more efficient because it's 5 nanometer than the run of the Mel 778, 6 nanometer. But it's the same mm -hmm. chip, essentially. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I, it came out, like Qualcomm was really kind of skittish about telling us like what this chip was about. They're like, ah, just ask Xiaomi. And then Xiaomi would be like, ah, it's just another chip for one of our phones, you know? And then nobody like, and then I never saw it pop up on anything else. It might be on one or two other phones, but it's like 778 gets announced. I tell Qualcomm like, hey, what, what, what's the difference? They're like, oh, one's five nanometer, one's six nanometer. I'm like, oh, you made this for Xiaomi, I see. And I think this is exciting because it shows the way things are going. I think that we're going to start seeing in the same way Samsung's making the Tensor chip for Google. I wouldn't be surprised if Qualcomm starts white labeling some chips. Hmm. I could see that. I mean, I would, mean, they did the SQ1 from Microsoft. Right. They, they already did it, right? I think the interesting part is Xiaomi continues to grow in size. Mm -hmm. And I think their influence is what allows them to have that kind of a relationship and they're very committed to qualcomm right so yeah. i think oh, that's yeah. a big part of it i mean it's exciting i kind of love what they're doing like give you an example like the mi 11 last year the first snapdragon 888 phone on the market technically because it came out in china just before the new year no our new year is the best thermals of any non-fan cooled non-actively cooled phone yeah i was really impressed with the thermals I, and since it was the first 888, I reviewed them, I'm like, oh, thermals it are great the on the 888. Really and then, then the Galaxy came along and we're like, oh, that's bad because it throttled after like 10 minutes. <laughs> and then the OnePlus 9 came along and we're like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. And then we knew because after that, I mean, there's a couple of phones that stood out again after the Mi 11. But the Mi 11, they did something to that one phone. I don't know how they did it, but it's probably their graphene stuff that, you know, they've been doing the graphene cooling. Mm -hmm. But anyway... So Mi 12, I agree with you. Xiaomi 12 is going to be the first. Then I'm calling it right now because they're eager little monsters right now. Realme GT2 Pro. 
is going to be next. The next one, okay. hundred percent. Because while well, I, I, I did meet with um, Tanya of Realme at the MediaTek Summit mm-hmm. two weeks ago, and she very, very much hinted at that. <laughs> like, she was like, you know, hold my beer kind of thing. You know, watch this. We're, we've got something coming. So, again, China, I can see this stuff coming out before our new year, for sure. One plus 10, I think we're going to look at probably later in the year, right? Yep. Same with Galaxy S22, even though it's not on here. I don't know. 22 could come early like the 21 did. No, it'll come early, but not... Not, I'm talking not like, December. I think we're going to see the Moto as well. We're going to see all these in December, January, like for sure. And I think we're not going to see the S22 in January this year. I think we're going to see the S... We're going to talk about this, but I'm going to see the S21 Fan Edition at CES. And if we see... The S22, it's going to be like early February, maybe like they did the S20, remember, in SF? Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was right before Just the before COVID hit. Yeah, yeah that was my, yeah. my last press event <laughs> before the pandemic. Um, so 1 plus 10, I'm expecting February, February, March, maybe around Mobile Congress. Same with S22. Same with Oppo Find X4. I mean, I don't really see why Oppo would launch this sooner. It would be the Find X4 Pro that we were interested in anyway. But with opification of OnePlus and them being tighter together than ever, I would be surprised if those two phones are not too radically different. Uh, I mean, they weren't too radically different last year, right? Uh, other than the microscope camera and the Find X3 Pro being generally a better phone. <laughs> but uh, be, that's because, I don't know, OnePlus kind of like didn't do a very good job with the 9. Well, the 9 in particular, but the 9 Pro was solid. Yeah, I like the so Pro. the nine Pro is solid. Okay, so what else do we have? Uh, Moto Edge. So we need to talk about that because I think here's what I, I'm really hoping. I've had lots of conversations with Doug at, at Moto about this, and I don't mm. know if you have because yeah. you're an analyst. You talk to them all the time, to everyone. My big thing has been, you. I'm sick. As I said, I'm sick and tired of Verizon coming along and saying to dictating to. Moto, what they need to make at the mid to high end, right? In the US, when you see what they are launching in Brazil and everywhere else, like the, the Edge 20 Pro is a metal and glass proper flagship with 144 hertz AMOLED panel and a proper telephoto and optically stabilized main camera. It is essentially a flagship in the same sense, the S22 Plus or the OnePlus 9 Pro or any other modern flagship would be. And it's very competitively priced. I think it's, it's like, the seven fifty to eight hundred dollars, which is not cheap, but not right, right. you know that's it's what flagship it's pricing. It's flagship pricing, and here comes along the edge for us, which is like one hundred forty four hertz LCD with massive bezels and a chin, all plastic build, no wires on the main lens, no telephoto, and you're like. And then they price it seven hundred dollars unlocked and five hundred dollars on Verizon, <laughs> and you're like, come on, guys, like. You know, I know they didn't succeed. They didn't do well with the Edge Plus last year. Like, it didn't sell. They don't want to say that, but we all know it didn't sell. But it doesn't mean they can't be persistent. They've already clearly done these phones for the rest of the world. So, please, I know this is the Edge that we're expecting with this 8 Gen 1 chip is a China Edge. Mm -hmm. But please, if you're listening, Moto, do us a favor and give us an Edge, you know, 30 or whatever that is pro that is like worthy of you know the us and sell it unlocked as well as under verizon you know we'll give verizon a cheaper version just for them i mean i i think there's also the whole millimeter wave component of things that's fine it it mean like pixel 6 has millimeter wave iphone has millimeter wave samsung yeah. has millimeter wave there's no reason this can be an unlocked phone with millimeter wave so 
and, and I don't see why they wouldn't design from the get-go to be millimeter wave capable. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the, you know, the Edge 20 was just a 5G phone, sub six. I don't know. Anyway, so that's kind of like um, what's going on with uh, upcoming phones. Now we have some news items. Let's see. There's not much going on in the rest of the world here. Auto 60 was announced. Did you have a look at that? I did. Have you looked at the 50 before that? Are you aware of the 50? I'm aware of the 50. So they look very similar. I know. I'm, tr I'm trying to figure out like, and also the same chipset, 778G. Yeah. So I'm like, what is different? So The Verge has a good article here, and I'm just trying to get the, okay, 108 megapixel main camera and 50 megapixel ultra wide and macro. So much better camera system than the 50. So the 50 right now has, I believe, a 50 megapixel main sensor mm -hmm. and then an ultra wide and then a crappy like macro camera. I have to look up the specs. Don't hold me down on that because there's also a 50 Pro. But I have the Honor 50 and it's okay, but it's not super premium. So I think what they did is they just did very similar looking phone, very similar chassis, but then they pumped up the camera a little bit, which is nice because, you know, those are nice specs. Um, Tells us what we're going to expect to see. And 120 hertz OLED is the same as the other one. So, yeah. So, there is that. Oh, 100 watt fast charging on the 50 Pro. Um, no, actually, that's the 50 Pro. So, the 60... What? Let's see what the maximum is on the 60. Oh, it's 66. So, that's the difference. It's interesting, right? Yeah. I don't understand the Chinese makers sometimes. 4,800 milliamp hour battery. And, yeah. I mean... I don't know. How do you feel about the whole Honor Huawei thing? Like, I'm a little concerned that they're too similar to their Huawei equivalents. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Other than the US and the GMS, right? And, and I, you know, do you feel that it's like, do you feel it's because they broke away from Huawei recently and so they co-developed these things maybe? But it's been more than a year now. And I'm like... At the space things are developed, right? Would, wouldn't it make sense for them to have their own stuff going now? I think we might be at the cutoff. Okay. So I think whatever comes next year will be the determinant of whether or not they continue to work together. Yeah, I, I'm just a little concerned that, you know, it might put Honor on the ban list because they're so similar. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Honor has a very different brand recognition. Yeah. Um, and they always have. Only the people who know about the mobile industry even know that they're remotely the same company, even when they were the same company. No, and I get that. But, you know, there's already been talk in the politics world um, to add Honor to the list. And when you see their phones, like the Nova 9 from Huawei and the Honor 50 are literally identical other than one running Harmony OS, which, as we know, is Android without GMS, and the other one running whatever their OS, Honor OS with GMS. And... Even like down to the, the menus are identical, like this, the settings menu mm -hmm. and like, you know, the dialogue boxes that pop up when you have, I guess like, holy crap, like, come on. It's been a year, six months. You could have done a little bit more customization. I mean, you look at Realme and Oppo and OnePlus and they make twin phones, right? Like they're similar in specs, but the chassis is even different. So why didn't they even try to make a different chassis? That seems weird to me, you know? I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, I support an on, a good Honor phone. I'm on board, but mm, I'm a little concerned. All right, another one I put on here is the Galaxy A13. So I saw that. You heard about the Moto 
the new Moto G Power that is for 2022, but came out in 2021 when we were in Motorola a month ago in New York. They oh, yeah. gave a, they did this thing. They like you know invited us over to New York. We knew it wasn't going to be a super crazy phone, but they gave us this phone to review. But at the same time, they also poked our brain like we were analysts getting paid. It was great. They poked our brain away. What should we do going forward with Moto? Anyway, fine. The cool thing, though, is that this we need more $200-ish 5G phones in the U.S. Because in the rest of the world, you got Realme, Redmi, all those companies making really great phones that are affordable. And then 5G. And so we started seeing that. But yeah, this is like Samsung going, hold my beer, let me show you what we can do for $250. And what are we seeing? 90 hertz refresh at 720p, exactly like the Moto. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing a 50 megapixel camera, exactly like the Moto, main sensor. And we're seeing a Dimensity 700. And that's where the Moto loses because it has a 4G chipset. So we're seeing a 5G phone that costs $250 that has... Even has, I believe, an ultra wide, which also I think the, the the Moto has as well. But it's it's pretty competitive to me. And you know, is it going to sell like hotcakes at Metro PCS? Basically, yeah. Well, I think <laughs> not just Metro, but if you think about it, um, their first carrier is actually AT and T. That's right. So they have like a timed exclusive for like thirty days with AT and T. Then D Mobile and and I, I forget what the other carriers will be carrying it, but. Ultimately, you you know you have to remember that a lot of these carriers have people who are on these data plans. They're not getting flagships because they can't afford them. So having a two hundred forty nine dollar phone, you know that gives a lot of room for opportunity where they could offer it for free with a contract. One hundred percent. And I mean there are other options, folks. Like of course there's the Moto one if you don't want five G. But then there is also the Rebel phone, this year's Rebel phone from T-Mobile, yep. which I think is still the winner. It is $200 yep. with a Dimensity 5G chip and a, you know, it doesn't have a high refresh rate display, but everything about it is well sorted. It's not like spectacular, but you take photos with it and they look okay and you put them through Google Magic Filter and they look great. And there you go, you're done, right? It's kind of exciting to me that we have phones with $200 in the US that don't suck. That have 5G. Agreed. And I was going to mention that right as you brought it up. <laughs> oh, man. The Revel. I love the Revel. This year's Revel. I told you, you, know, last night we had a little T-Mobile party and I talked to the guy who was in charge of devices and I told him, I'm like, the Revel was a revelation. <laughs> All right. Next on the topics, we have a bunch of rumors and I kind of want to taste your temperature on this. Have you been following the saga of the S21 FE? I, it's kind of like an on and off relationship, like a soap opera. It's one of those. I'm your best friend. I want to have a relationship. Oh, I'm done with you. I don't like you. I hate you. I'm going to look away. Then I'm back. It's one of those things where I've just stopped paying attention. You're like, I'm, I'm jaded. I'm done with this. I, I mean, I have, but I normally wouldn't care. But the S20 FE was so good for the money. And now we have the Pixel 6 that is so good for the money. So it's a question of can last time when the S20 FE came out, it was out OnePlus in OnePlus, right? It was better than OnePlus 8 for cheaper. And now this could hopefully be better, maybe be better than a Pixel 6 for less. Will it? And that's the question. That's why I'm paying attention because I think it could be one of those pivotal phones for the audience I have, which is early adopters, tech savvy audience. They're looking for a really affordable flagship that checks all the boxes. 
And so I've been following it because I'm like, I'm kind of hoping they'll do it. But now I'm the, the latest rumors are it's going to launch at CS. And now I don't have anything to substantiate that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't heard anything um, in terms of CES. Um, but I will say that, like, I, I feel that the FE also has, because of the success of the 20, has a high bar. Yeah, and but they can meet it. It's just they, a matter of pricing, it's, right? It's, it's a matter of wanting to be able to sell like, it. Like, we price. know the specs have leaked already. We know it's essentially an upgrade to the FE 20, S20 FE with just like a Snapdragon 888, and it's plastic back still, but it has the same camera system, like which are a triple 12 megapixel with decent specs, OIS on the telephoto and the main, it's a 3X telephoto. That camera system is rock solid. It's just like, it's not, it's kind of like the Pixel 5a. It's not the latest sensor and lenses, but it'll do just it's fine. Great for and it's got wireless charging and it's got 5G and it's got everything. So if they can make it, crazy idea, 550 undercut by $50 a Pixel 6. <laughs> oh man, like how hard is it going to be to recommend that stupid Moto Edge after that? Like, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited about it, though. I, I feel like we need more affordable mid-range-ish pseudo-flagships. Well, you know? especially where since all the guys who are in that space moved up. Yeah. Right? So, hmm. and then uh, the rumors are the Galaxy S22 and 22 Plus. We now have some camera specs. Let me bring those up because... 50 megapixel is, I believe, for the main sensor, which is a really interesting because, and also no more of that 64 megapixel 1.1x fake telephoto BS. Mm -hmm. um, so this is Android Police reporting. I think it was Ice Universe leaked it, right? Yeah, yeah, as usual. Okay, so it would, okay, so it would have a 10 megapixel telephoto 3x optical with OIS. Nice, not bad. Mm -hmm. I like the 3X on the 20. Yeah, very solid. And then it would have a GN5, which is slightly lower than a GN2, 50 megapixel main sensor. So there you go, a new, a new more affordable version of the GN2, which is already a detuned version of GN1. But that's fine. For that kind of device, I think it's perfect. It's probably way better than 12 megapixel they've had all along in there, sure, right? Sure, sure. I mean... You know, there's a huge jump between the S21 and S21 Ultra because of that 108 megapixel sensor. But that thing is massive and expensive. Right. And so give us something in the middle somewhere, right? And that's yeah. what they're doing. And then let's see, what does it have for the ultra wide? That's the other thing that I want to know because that would be exciting. 12 megapixel ultra wide and mm -hmm. shared with the 22 Ultra. So there you go. That's kind of a bummer. I was kind of hoping the S22 Ultra would bump the Ultra Wide to a 48 or 50. Because, you know, we've seen that on the Oppo yeah. and the OnePlus. And holy crap, it makes a difference. And honestly, I never touch the Ultra Wide on my uh, 22, 21 Ultra. Rarely. Like, we're rarely. recording with it right now. I know, but I rarely use it. For video, it's great. It gives yeah. you that GoPro vibe, you know? Absolutely. I just, for photography, which is mostly what I do... I'm I'm mostly at one or much much more zoomed in. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And you know, I feel that with all the telephotos now that are more than three x, and sometimes even way more than that, like the ten x, it's really like a game changer, right? Totally. And uh, so I and don't I know. Hope, I hope they do something interesting with the optics in terms of just improving clarity and resolution, um, because there's there's definitely room for improvement on that. 
I mean, if you look at the, what Vivo's been doing, the X70 Pro Plus, mm-hmm. that phone is bonkers. Like the, the you know, T-star coated Zeiss lenses that are glass lenses, they went all out. They have two telephotos with OIS. They have, you know, one is Periscope 5X, the other one's a 2X. So it's actually a dedicated portrait lens with OIS. It's like... And that's why it's got the best camera so far. I mean, it's one of the best. And... And it's really impressive that they finally gave us wireless charging on that phone, which is the only thing that's ever missed from all the high-end Vivos that I was waiting for. So yeah, I don't have one yet. I have the I have the 70 Pro Non Plus, which is almost the same T-Star coating, blah, 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 glass lenses, but it doesn't have OIS on the portrait 2X. Mm-hmm. And it's got um, the F-stop on the GN1 sensor is F1.8 versus 1.6 on the Pro Plus. But it has the same 5X um, telescope. And it has MediaTek Dimensity 1200. And no wireless charging. Anyway, Sean, if you're listening, I need a 70 Pro Plus. Hook me up, please. Uh, last time he sent me both. With a, you know, this is funny. Vivo did the X60 and the X70 within eight months of each other in one year. And, and I was like... Dude, you sent me the two X60s, why the Pro and Pro Plus? Why didn't you send me both X70s? Now I'm like jonesing for the Pro Plus, which is finally the first one because it has wireless charging too. And OIS, they never had OIS on the portrait lens. For some reason, they're like, oh, it's only 2X, you don't need to be stabilized for that. And I'm like, what the hell are you drinking? Like, OIS all the time on everything <laughs> except maybe the Ultra OIS wire. all the things. Exactly. I remember when uh, HTC did an OIS on the front camera. On the HTC 10, I want to say, it was a it was a deal breaker. I'm, you I'm could you could handheld like this and I'm walk down the street, it was, yeah. and it was super steady. Like I know you can do that in software nowadays because you got right. you can crop a giant sensor, yeah, but easy. Come on, GoIS is a part for the course these days. You know that's the problem I have with a lot of BBK group phones. None of them do 4K 60 with the front camera. Now I'm not saying that it's something I would need and use, but when you see that the iPhone SE for four hundred fifty dollars, right over there, there's one behind me. Is using like is using four. It does four K sixty on the front camera. Like, hello, I don't know. Um, speaking of which, we talked about it last week. We're done with the topic, so I'm just like ranting here. But have you looked? Have you seen what Oppo's doing with the Reno Seven series this year? No. So they did three Renos this year, five, six, and seven in one year. Like this is ridic- getting ridiculous. They're coming out with them every three months now. I expect the Reno Eight to come out in February at this point. But the Seven is cool because then gone. They're going away from the plastic build that they've been doing with the Renos, and it looks like the Seven Pro has a slab-sided design, like the uh, iPhone Thirteen, mm-hmm. um, metal and glass. And I'm sorry, but that's super cool because I'm sick and tired of phones being made of plastic at the mid-range. Like sure. I want to get, I know that a lot of you put your phones in cases and I get it, it's fine. Like, and I do too. But at my point, it's nice to know that somebody's making a mid-range phone that's like $500, $400 that has a really feels premium in your hand when you touch it. If you choose to have it naked, you know, you can. Whereas like the kind of plastic thing is not my thing. You know what I I had recently experienced because I was here was the uh, the IQ phone with the gigantic fingerprint sensor on it. Oh yeah, I had never gotten a chance to try that out because it doesn't come to the US at all. Right, and it was the first time I experienced single fingerprint enroll, where it's a single tap to enroll your yep. finger. Yeah, and you don't have to like. 
play with the phone. It's cool, right? It's unbelievable. And again, this is another sub brand from the BBK group. I so know, that's why I brought it up. I have an IQ7, which doesn't have that feature, but it's a really nice phone. Like, again, Sean hooked me up because IQ and Vivo are kind of the same. But um, yeah, I think uh, I'm really liking what we're seeing coming out of Xiaomi and BBK group lately. I, I feel like, you know, I got the Poco, the M4 Pro 5G in my pocket right now, which is like $220 5G phone, $230. It's so good. It's so good. It's like, I'm like, it's like basically what we're talking about with the um, A13 from Samsung. Right. It's got a 50 megapixel sensor, high refresh rate LCD, a Dimensity 800 or something. And it's like, it's so cheap. I'm just like, what? Stereo speakers? Oh, it's got the same Taptic engine as the super high-end uh, Xiaomi phones. So like linear motor, like, like feels feel super it. nice. Mm. Like an iPhone does or a Pixel or a Samsung. Well, I have to, you have to go high-end Samsung. But yeah, haptics have gotten so important to me. Like I go to cheap phones, that's the first thing I notice. Yeah, it's the unsatisfying little buzzes. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, we should wrap it up, folks. Angel, you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm uh, all over the internet, unfortunately. Everywhere. Um, but I'm mostly on Twitter at AnshelSog. Um, I'm also on Instagram at AnshelSog. And I'm also on TikTok at AnshelSog. I write uh, for Upload VR as well as Forbes. And uh, you can kind of find me uh, in your local... Uh, Android uh, blog or uh, tech news publication quoted fairly often nowadays. <laughs> I didn't know you were a TikTok celebrity. Is this a new thing? I'm not a celebrity. I have not gone off or viral on TikTok, but I do post TikTok videos because there's a lot of people on there who don't know what they're talking about. And I want to make sure there's at least a few people on there that do. You want to be the voice of reason. Yes. <laughs> Good luck with TikTok. I know. <laughs> it's going to be a hard one. Folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on both Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to chat with me and Angel about this podcast, hit us up on Twitter at Tankerl and... At Angel Zog. There you go. And then uh, if you want to see pretty pictures of phones, pretty pictures of cars and cars taken with phones and phones taken with phones, everything's taken with phones. Go to my Instagram and check me out there at Tankerl as well. There's a couple of YouTube channels you should subscribe to uh, that are related to the podcast. YouTube.com slash mobile tech podcast is the main channel, mostly unboxing videos, some hands-on videos. And uh, basically the phones mostly and some audio stuff. I, I like, you know, audio a lot. So you get some of that as well. And then there's youtube.com slash mobile tech more, which is kind of like the channel where we put uh, the meta stuff. So you get like car tech, home tech, uh, accessories and, you know, travel tech. We love the travel. So there you go. So this is a new channel. We're kind of like, you know, slowly growing it. So subscribe to both channels, like both the videos on everything, you know, click the notification bell, comment, you know, tell me in the videos what you think of what we're doing, what you'd like to see. And if you want to comment about the podcast on there, go nuts. I'll answer. It's fine by me. I don't care. It's great. And then finally, the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. So you can subscribe there. There's an RSS feed. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere you can find good podcasts. If your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. It really helps people discover the show that way. Or if you're here, you know, for the first time because Anshal's on, please subscribe. It'd be great. 
Also, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash T-N-K-G-R-L. You are listening to this podcast most likely, but for those of you who want to watch the podcast on video, there is a tier for that on the Patreon. So I do a recording every week of the show, either in person or remote, and you get to see a video version early on before the audio version is published, generally a day or two before, uh, less edits. It's a little more raw, a little more personal. And if you want to get that, there's a tier on Patreon for that. There's also a Discord server you can join through the Patreon. So check that out. I want to thank John F. I'm not going to say his last name, but John joined this week and I want to thank him for that. It was pretty awesome. And also, I want to thank all the other patrons for being there. You guys are making it easier for me to do this show every week. So I appreciate you and I appreciate those of you who will be hopefully joining soon. So patreon.com slash dankerl, patreon.com slash tnkgrl. Check it out. Don't miss out. You'll love it. And those of you who prefer donating another way, there is a PayPal link in the show notes. You can click through there and make a donation. Bada boom, I get a cup of coffee. Awesome. You know, love that. Thank you for doing it. Finally, I want to thank our sponsor, Audible. Audible's been with us forever. They're wonderful. I love books. I don't know if you love books. I'm a, but I'm a member. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, so if you like books, but you don't want to necessarily read them with your eyes, you want to listen to them with your ears, Audible's the way to do it. I travel a lot and I'm driving oftentimes. Oh, my eyes are tired because I'm sitting on my little computer writing all the time. And I'd rather listen to a book being read to me than read it, even though I love books. So Audible does that. And it's got a ton of books to choose from. A lot of books are read by the authors. It's got podcasts. It's got short stories and short form content. It's just wonderful. So, you know, help me out. Help them out. And get a free trial, 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end, whether you stay or not. Hopefully, you'll stay. I think you'll love it. Check it out. Audibletrial.com slash mobile tech is the URL. Audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. I want to thank Audible for being our longtime sponsor. And thank you, Anshel, for being my guest yet again for the nth time. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. Absolutely. We'll have you on again at some point in the future. And folks, we have a show next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then... Bye from Hawaii. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.